0: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast.
1: It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, socially distancing and masking when and where necessary. And uh, welcome again to another edition of Fantasy Camp as we go all throughout uh, the NFL divisions going division by division. This is uh, division number four. So uh, at this point, we will be halfway through. We will be finished with the AFC. Uh, Next week, we will start getting on to the NFC divisions which means we are getting closer, uh, in theory, to the start of the NFL season, in theory, getting closer to the start of training camp as well. Uh, I say in theory because we have no idea how any of this stuff works. Um, but uh, I have a couple of guests that you may or may not know, depending on how deep you are in these fantasy streets. I will introduce them in just a moment. But before I do that, uh, normally I would talk to my faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. But Murphy's on vacation this week. Uh, still living things up in NYC. Hopefully he is good and safe there and look forward to him getting back. But in the meantime, want to give a shout out to Arjuna who uh, stepped in to help out. I know you usually are sort of a special projects guy. I know you've lived that you were living that move the sticks life, uh, you know, going big time with Bucky and DJ. So uh, I appreciate you sitting in and helping me out today.
2: Of course. Happy to, you know, happy to be here. Happy to help.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so um want to get to my guests now. Um, Couple of guys that I have known basically through social media, and uh, now it's a chance for me to meet them in person. For for those of you who can't see, I'm doing air quotes for in person. Um, for first, uh, a guy that is a contributor over at Four for Four is a staff writer at the Athletic, also working for Fantasy Data as well. Uh, Eric Moody, Moody, appreciate you jumping in, man. How are things
3: in Dallas? Man, things are going uh, going pretty good, you know, given the circumstances. I know we are talking uh, just briefly before we started recording, so I've been able to, uh, you know, lose some weight, get some more exercise out there. But I'll say the biggest, uh, you know, kind of a takeaway, you know, from all this, you know, just trying to, I guess, make lemons out of lemonade, so to speak, is uh, the additional family time. You know, being right. able to work from home with the family has been huge. So it's going as best as it can, my friend. Thanks for the yeah. invite.
1: No, I appreciate it. And I feel like what you said is kind of the general sentiment I've gotten from a lot of people (laughs) that I've talked to. Uh, I mean, this is kind of our our life now. So Um, my other guest. Uh, another guy that i originally knew from social media and i feel like i feel like you and i sort of started communicating i don't even know if you were writing fantasy at the time when we first started communicating mm-hmm. and we were just kind of uh you know you'd ask questions i'd kind of bounce back with answers as much as i could uh and now i've, I've kind of watched your career sort of grow you're uh, writing it four for four you're doing stuff at number fire dl football uh draft consult uh as well it is chris allen also co-host of the dynasty manual pod so chris it's nice to, to finally connect with you uh, over something more than you know 280 characters
2: man how are you i'm doing well and uh yeah i mean i think the the first time that uh, we actually started going back and forth i think it was over it might have been over some beers that i had sent to, to matt Harmon, and yeah, uh you know. i had sent those out to, to his way way back when and uh things have just kind of snowballed from there but i again I'll echo Eric's statements and saying thanks for bringing me on. And uh, I think, I know we just missed each other last year at the, uh, the fantasy expo. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully when things get uh, back to some sense of normal, uh, we might be able to connect uh, next time you're out. You're out in Ohio.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I gotta ask though before we get too deep into this, are you brewing anything new and exciting?
2: That uh... oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that's one of the again. Uh, again, I have to echo Eric's sentiments and uh, making lemons out of lemonade because of uh, being at home so often. Uh, I actually have like an elect- electric uh, brewing setup uh, here, wow. and I, I can actually brew like in my house. Nice. And uh, so between that and uh, being at home, like uh, there've been. Uh, I guess my my bosses hopefully are good be listening to this podcast, but (laughs) during some meetings, I've had, uh, you know, the kettle running and I've been checking things and, um, you know, doing a little bit of multitasking. So I've been trying to keep up with as much as I can. Uh, I'd like to say what happens here stays here, but I want I want people to listen. To <laughs> caps, yeah, right? uh, exactly. Sort of <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it directly to him and let him know.
1: Sounds good. <laughs> um, before before we dive into talking about the AFC West, I have to ask if either of you have uh, are, are about to load up on Washington Football Team merchandise? Uh, now that that's that is their name for the year, they are the Washington Football Team uh i i mean moody you're not in dallas where like you know home of their eternal rivals the cowboys oh yeah there's a pretty good chuckle going on that they're going to just be the washington football team for a year
3: yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to uh, purchase any uh, merchandise. I tell you, it's, it's it's tough enough being in Dallas and being a diehard Saints fan. So you can just imagine the type of grief that I get from uh, friends in the area and co-workers. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> oh, man, uh, it's going to be interesting. I will say this. I, I, I'm not a fan of the club, but I, I'm tempted to buy at least a T-shirt because it may be a collector's item at some point. Yeah, just for the uh,
2: memorabilia, right?
1: Uh,
3: you know, good yeah. point.
1: Whenever they come up with whatever their next permanent name is going to be, you know, to say that you had a T-shirt that just says Washington football team or hat or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You
3: know?
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. side note, I remember buying – I grew up in the Bay Area, and um, I remember there was a point when the San Francisco Giants looked like – I mean, they were signed, sealed, and delivered to move to, like, Tampa St. Pete. I mean, the trucks were packed and oh. looked like they were gone. And I was never a Giants fan as a kid uh but i remember getting some gear thinking like hey it's gonna be a collector's item and i like had some like shorts and a t-shirt or something like that and Mm -hmm. then those jerks ended up staying in san francisco so like i (laughs) I had gear i had gear from a team i didn't like uh that wasn't even like worth anything so uh that's just me venting anyway uh over to the afc west uh always have some big questions for each of the teams. We'll do some kind of superlatives, some best and worst potentially from the division. Uh, and then some either or questions at the end to kind of have some fun with. But uh, we'll start with the big questions for the Denver Broncos. And, and Moody, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, how are you approaching this Broncos backfield now that Melvin Gordon is there, Philip Lindsay? I mean, Royce Freeman is still a sentient human being. Um, I mean, how are you looking at this backfield right now?
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I will tell you, my preference is to target uh, Lindsay, and you know, I'll, I'll give you uh, you know reasons why. So, you look at ADP, you know, Gordon like four for four. Lindsay's the RB forty. Melvin Gordon's the RB sixteen. Now, the perception is that Gordon's going to dominate the opportunities in the backfield because the Broncos are paying him nine million. You know that's definitely not backup money. We'll just say. Right. So you know, Gordon's average. You know, 91 total yards and nearly 17 PPR points per game in 67 active games since 2015. Now, Lindsey, on the other hand, he's no slouch. Like he's averaged 80.2 total yards and nearly 14 PPR points per game over the last two seasons. Now, you've got a new element that's added in this year, of course, with Pat Shermer. You know, joins the Broncos as a new O.C. You know, he's publicly stated, you know, that he plans on using uh, both backs. And so, you know, the addition of Gordon obviously negatively impacts Royce Freeman more than Lindsay. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at a committee. And in those scenarios, my preference is to go with the least expensive option. Now, uh, another thing with the Broncos, you look at their offensive line. I'm like, they were solid up front last season. I'm like, if you look at football outsiders, adjusted line yards metrics, you know, they finished 11th. Now, given the offseason adjustments, you know, they're well positioned to repeat this feat. Now, Denver, and something else that's not really spoken about, but as the next offensive lineman, you know, this is like my thing. But, uh, you know, Denver has one of the top, like, offensive line coaches in the NFL in Munchak. And... You know, that's a, a committee you really want a piece of in fantasy. You know, the Broncos ran the football, you know, 43% of their offensive plays last season. You know, I looked at my projections uh, doing one prepping, you know, for the show today, and, you know, my projections have Gordon finishing around like 220 touches and Lindsey with around 195. So it's one of those scenarios where they, they can have a similar uh finish, you know, at the end of the year. And, again, I just want to go with the cheaper option.
1: Yeah, I mean, my fear, Chris, is that, you know, like I, I'm, I'm with Moody in the fact that look, Melvin Gordon is going to be the starter. Uh, I think that mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. My mm-hmm. fear is that we'll get midway through the season and suddenly it turns into a hot hand backfield where you may start one guy, you, know, you may start Gordon, for instance. Lindsey ends up having a better game and your guy's sitting on the sideline. I guess that mm-hmm. that is my biggest fear when I look at this Broncos backfield. Am I am I weird for that?
2: No, I don't think you're weird for that at all. And I think that's something that especially, you know, given the times that we live in that, I mean, you're going to see a lot of committees being formed either through just the virtual nature of the backfields or uh, just the way that the pandemic is going to wind up affecting many of the teams that we're talking about right now. So I, I don't think, I think that's a fair way to approach the backfield. And then also, I mean, given the fact that, I mean, this is, I mean, Gordon switching teams and also, I mean, Lindsay, I mean, to his credit, I mean, what back to back, like thousand yard seasons Mm -hmm. coming out as a Mm -hmm. UDFA. I mean, there's a lot of talent that you can't just summarily displace. And I know that a lot of folks want to use his contract information as a reason to just go ahead and let's summarily say that Melvin Gordon is going to be that guy that's going to wind up with 60% of the touches. But how do you get rid of the, I mean, the what 50 plus percent rate that Philip Lindsay had? I mean, what he was able to do on the ground, uh, both as a rusher and as a, a receiver out of the backfield. I, to me, that it's hard. I'm hard pressed to believe that that's just a situation where it's just, well, we just gave this guy a bunch of money. Philip, <laughs> you just go sit on the bench. I mean, <laughs> again, I, I'm, I, again, I'm just it's hard for me to see that just happening straight out of the gate. And I can I can much rather see. A much more even split with as Eric was pointing out that the, the the one that gets hurt the most is Royce Freeman.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I feel like Royce Freeman has sort of uh to to quote the Mike Tyson sort of faded into Bolivian. Um <laughs> I don't I you know I just I don't see any, any real opportunity, at least not enough, uh, to make him worth even taking a late dart throw at. Um mm-hmm. Chris, after Cortland Sutton, which are there any which pass catchers, are there any that you're you're really targeting that you trust? I mean, maybe Noah Fant. Um, But but are, are you big on, say, a Jerry Judy, a KJ Hamler, any of those guys beyond Cortland Sutton?
2: Uh, not really. I mean, and I think it's not necessarily a function of the receivers. I mean, Jerry Judy, very high. Uh, he was one of my like favorite like wide receiver prospects coming out in this year's class, uh, and I, I'm very excited about what Noah Fan can do. Seeing uh, one of the long touchdowns that he had, I believe that was uh, what back in like week seven or something like that mm-hmm. of last season. That 75 yard touchdown, like up the seam. I mean, very athletic, and those are that's what we want in those like mid mid round like tight ends, but. I I think when you look at the Denver passing offense as a whole, I mean, they were sitting at like just below average in terms of like neutral pass rate. And it's to me, the way that they're building their team doesn't really seem like it's one conducive to Literally, like any of the other teams that are within their division. I mean, Oakland has now moved on, like, has tried to at least come into the 21st century in terms of, like, they want to add more pass catchers. They're already running up against, like, the Super Bowl contenders in, in Kansas City. And the Chargers, I mean, to their credit, they don't have Phillip Rivers anymore, but they still have a number of pass catchers as well. But all of those other teams, like, had a much higher passing rate, like, uh, for the way that they wanted to approach their offense. Denver does not. I mean, there's still one of those teams that I look at as being one of those that would rather let's grind out the clock. Let's see what we can do on the ground if we need to pass. We can. And otherwise, we'll just let our defense like do most of the heavy lifting and we'll go and we'll try and work it that way. And again, playing in that division, I don't know how often they're going to really be able to actually execute that philosophy. But looking at how that they operated last season within the last like four or five games where Julak was starting, that seemed to be the case. Unless they were pulled into a negative game script, like playing when they took that first L against Kansas City mm-hmm. or when they were playing yeah. against Houston, I mean, that seemed to be more of what would actually spark that uh, that passing offense. Otherwise, I think that the volume is going to be low enough that outside of the guys that you mentioned, I mean, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, certainly Noah Fant, I'll take a dart throw on him. Cortland Sutton, absolutely. I'll take a look at uh, look at him as well. But outside of that, I mean, you're really just, I mean, you're, you're throwing darts without really any, I guess, hope that they wind up beating their adp
1: yeah uh you know and so so chris mentioned the the, the potential passing volume there and, and game strips and that sort of thing uh i mean moody obviously the broncos have gone all in on drew lock as their quarterback of the future at least for yeah. now um yeah. i mean for our purposes though is he ready for prime time in 2020 or are we still talking about maybe another year or two away
3: yeah it's a really good question i i believe so uh, you know, Locke, you know, he has Shermer's as OC. I'm like, who's a proven, you know, kind of play caller. You know, he has a pedigree to position his players to be successful. Uh, one thing we're looking at his coaching tree. I'm like, he's part of Andy Reid's coaching tree. So mm-hmm. Schumer's offense is a blend, you know, the West Coast, you know, and spread offenses. So Locke, you know, at Missouri, I'm like, he thrived in that type of scheme. For fantasy purposes, you know, he has more of a QB2, but in mm-hmm. certain matchups, he is going to have QB1 uh, upside I know a lot of a lot of people may think that the, you know, the Broncos aren't going to to throw like as much. You know, I know they've got Gordon. They obviously have Lindsey. But, yeah, I think many will be surprised once the death settles on the 2020 season with the number of pass attempts that uh, Drew Locke has.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think I always feel like when I talk about quarterbacks, you know, we look at these guys, especially the younger guys and their potential upside. Um, I mean, I feel like for art for, for fantasy, they're all sort of hampered by the fact that the position is incredibly deep, you know, um, it, like, it's like you look at you know, Daniel Jones is a guy, for instance, I know we're not talking NFCs, but Daniel Jones is a guy mm-hmm. who is you know, supposed to be a, maybe what do you call him, sleeper, a breakout, however you want to categorize him this year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's yeah. still going like way off the board, like late off the board because you know, you can easily find ten or twelve quarterbacks that you would rather have ahead of ahead of Daniel Jones, and I think Drew Lock, uh, I think fits kind of in that category as well. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. can I make a comment on uh, Judy oh, real quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I would say like with um, like with the the you know the question about the the pass catchers in Denver, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty high on uh, on Jerry Judy. like he's a good route runner i'm like he has the strength to impose his will like on nickel you know cornerbacks i'm like he dominated the slot in college and you know the expectation is that he fills that role for schumer you know who has a history of leaning heavily on 11 personnel and so i had even more conviction with that like at the draft you know months ago whenever they picked up hamler so i'm like okay great you can have hamler that can be on the outside you're gonna move judy you know inside And, and again if you look at four for fours um you know, strength of schedule metric, you know, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. I'm like, the Broncos do have a difficult schedule, but I think what's going to cause headaches for defensive coordinators is that I'm like, you've got this plethora of receiving weapons and you have to pick your poison. Who are you going to contain? You know, Sutton, mm-hmm. Judy, mm-hmm. you know, Hamler. And so someone is, is going to, to get theirs. And I, I really do believe it'll be Judy. I think he'll end up finishing the season for the Broncos second in targets and get more targets than Noah fan.
1: Uh, That sort of begs the question, how much are you guys kind of leaning into this idea that young players, rookies especially, are going to be hurt by having an unconventional offseason? I mean, I feel like that's the the consensus, although I've seen some pushback on that. Uh, I'm just curious about how you guys sort of feel about that.
2: I mean, at least for me, uh, it's easier for me to tell myself a story as to how the running backs have an easier time integrating into their respective offenses, just Mm -hmm. given the nature of of, of the position. Now, for certain wide receivers in their situations, like we were just talking about Jerry Judy, like we were uh, like, even if we wanted to, we'll probably wind up talking about Henry Ruggs here, like here shortly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other, the, the rookie wide receivers that walk into situations where our expectation is they might not uh, like might not necessarily be starters but they should be there's a constant rotation within their respective offenses i see a path to those guys Uh, but other guys let's say that might be slightly buried on the depth chart just due to the nature of the wide receiver room that they're that they're in so let's say a guy like t higgins Uh, let's say a guy like uh, maybe Michael Pittman, but we'll see like the, with the injury situations with the other wide receivers there in Indianapolis, those guys might take a little bit longer for them to get on the field again, just because of the nature of who they're, who they're competing against for targets. I mean, Pittman's dealing with, he's got Paris Campbell, he's got T Y Hilton. I mean, there are still other receivers there. The same thing with T Higgins in Cincinnati. I mean, if you still believe in John Ross, I do, because I have a soft (laughs) spot for Cincinnati, but then all the way, all the way up to AJ green and so on and so forth. I mean, those are guys that are going to have a tougher time, like making their way onto the field just because they have a deeper rotation. But for guys like Jerry Judy, guys like CD Lamp, guys like Jalen Rager, uh, I think it's easier for me at least to tell myself a story as to how they get on the field just because due to the, uh, I mean, the fact that there should be a larger part of their offense versus anybody else.
1: Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. I've learned a lot about you in the last few days, Chris. That you are you're a John Ross Stan, you're a Corey Davis Stan. Um, Please, somebody send help. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: feel like
1: I've learned a lot about you in the last few days. Now, yeah. um, all right, let's shift gears to Kansas City. Uh, and I'll throw it out to both of you. You guys can, you know, move me if you want to start, and, and Chris, you can jump in. What's what right, the earliest? You've been willing to draft Patrick Mahomes, and then just say, you know just a standard you know one QB not not two QB leagues, just a one QB league, uh, whatever. What what's the earliest you have been at least thinking about taking a swing at Mahomes?
3: Yeah, well, I would say uh, if you know if he was sitting there like in the fifth round, you know I I'd, I I'd, I'd, I'd take a you know I'll go and scoop him up, and uh, we're just so conditioned to to take a, a quarterback like in the later rounds. I would say I'm more concerned with finding like a cheaper quarterback option who has like a similar range of outcomes in 2020 to mm-hmm. like Mahomes. Cause I always think about like, you know, opportunity costs, you know, I draft Mahomes at ADP her third, fourth, fifth round, whatever it may be. I'm always more concerned about what, what I'm giving up, mm-hmm. uh, by, by taking him. But I would say another quarterback that, uh, hasn't really gotten a lot of, uh, You know, publicity is uh, Matthew Stafford. That's a guy that I'm particularly Mm -hmm. high on. Yes, yes. I think if you look at like your you know different projections and and things, I'm like I could see a similar range of outcomes for Mahomes and also for Stafford. That's eerily similar. I'm like, you know, he has you know like top ten you know QB upside. I would say even you know top five even. But I'm like, he's the 13th QB coming off the board according to a four for four is a ADP. I mean, you think to last season, you know, again, it's like everyone thinks about, you know, what what's he done for me lately? And they think about the, the train wreck that Detroit was. That's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. Stafford, <laughs> you know, Stafford averaged like 312 passing yards per game in eight games last season. But I'm like, he's criminally underrated. So that's a guy that I, I would prefer to target instead of my home. So at least answer your question, Marcus.
2: I yeah. believe he was QB six uh, before he went down or QB Lark. six in points per game before he yeah. went
3: down. So to your mm-hmm. point,
2: I I think that's that's the right way to look at it yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, i mean chris are you feeling the same fifth round or so for for mahomes in yeah most- i
2: think uh if you're gonna if you're gonna approach it uh by just the way that the market rolls and like with this third round adp if you're gonna do it I mean, you you have to at least understand, like Eric pointed out, the opportunity cost associated with it. And Mm -hmm. if I was going to go ahead and swing for the fences with Mahomes in the third round, I mean, at that point, you might as well just go ahead and do just like the absolute monster stack of grabbing like Kelsey in the first round, (laughs) go Tyreek in the second and then go ahead and grab Mahomes in the third, grab Damian in the fifth, if you feel so inclined, and then and then just ride it out. I mean, because at that point, I mean, at that point, you're trying to go for like the most unique high upside roster because you, I mean, the third round, drafting patrick mahomes that means you've you passed up on uh dj moore odell beckham any of the third round like running backs if you so choose to try and give it that melvin gordon i mean any of those guys chris carson anybody any of those mainstays at the core positions so if you're going to do it you might as well at least try and you know uh what's the what's the football term if you're going to screw up screw up big Right. you might as well do you might as well do it that way go and just get yeah exactly and try and just get as many as many as much part of it, as much of the upside as you possibly contain in a single roster i mean you talk about a big swing that is a tiger woods off the team <laughs> oh, monster
1: swing <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that. um this is also this is also where i make my obligatory pitch for uh, us as a community reconsidering uh, quarterback scoring, and I know people who listen to this pod regularly are probably sick of hearing me say this, but I I keep coming back to like if we all agree that Patrick Mahomes is awesome and that he is arguably the best player at the most position important position on the field, mm-hmm. we have to make it so that it's not considered a competitive disadvantage to draft him. That's right. The, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any further like you know answers for you than that. I just you know I'm just. I like
2: the questions. six 4 what was it six for touchdowns so and then six, minus four for.
1: Uh, I've also said, you know, I feel like escalators when it comes to both multiple touchdown passes and multiple interceptions, too, because that's fair. There's no way there's there's no real way that Jameis Winston should have been what a top five quarterback. after Yeah, like that. That just shouldn't happen.
2: I mean, how many other Mm -hmm. top five quarterbacks wound up losing their job the year after? Uh, Not. Yeah. You know, how, how many top five quarterbacks had, you know, six-time champions come in? <laughs> in That's true <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I so, guess if Tom Brady wasn't on the market, that right. maybe that would have been James, their, their option. Davis is kind of a party of one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that. yeah.
1: Um, so, Chris, I mean, you talked about taking big swings at the, the Chiefs offense, right? I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. we know Tyreek is going to, to go early. Travis Kelsey is going to go early. You look around the rest of that receiving core, right? I mean, there's hope for maybe miko Hardman. Uh, we're, we're definitely going to get the Sammy Watkins, you know, the, the one Sammy Watkins game where he goes for like mm-hmm. a buck 50 and like two or three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But over the long haul, can this offense sustain a third pass catcher? Is there somebody worth taking that that dart throw at late? Uh,
2: I don't know if – well, I would say that's the I guess I'll partially answer the question saying yes the Kansas City offense can support a third pass catcher but that pass catcher doesn't have a name or it's an amalgamation <laughs> of it's an amalgamation of Damian Williams uh, DeMarcus Robinson Sammy Watkins Mikal Hardman uh I mean it, pick your poison mm-hmm. so I think that the easiest answer is probably to, to probably run it back with Sammy Watkins even though I feel bad for saying that uh just just because of the like his current contract situation the fact that they brought him back uh and how he was used within the offense uh last season like when he shined like especially towards the the back end of the season into the playoffs I mean that's that was the guy that Mahomes lo- was looking for more so than Mikko Hardman I mean and not to discredit Mikko or any of his any of his advantages but to me it just seems like he'll wind up being more of a rotational player than anything else and as much as i would like him to be a thing i mean the like his his target share i mean he started games and didn't even get any targets so like how do we see that jumping into a 10 even a 10 to 15 percent target share which would put him in like the wide receiver two wide receiver three that sort of range I, i just can't see it i see that team as more of like let's pack as many pass catchers as we can into that offense. So very similar to what Denver has is trying to do in 2020 is pick your poison. You've either got Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy. Now here at Kansas City, pick your poison. You now got Tyreek Hill, uh, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams come out of the backfield, Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield as well, mm-hmm. and try and defend us that way. It's it's hard to put a to pin down who that third receiver is going to be because they have so many of them.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh i think that's fair i mean i don't know is, is there somebody that did you, you are my preference at what? yeah my preference is sammy okay uh eric i mean is that what you're looking at or is there somebody else or are you just kind of punting on that third guy right now
3: <laughs> no i agree with uh, a lot of the comments that uh that chris mentioned and uh, i guess I'll, I'll channel my my henry cavill uh you know impersonation from the witcher as he was going through that breakdown i was like hmm <laughs> <laughs> you know i was like I, w- I was agreeing but i would say y- y- if you're going to go with one guy uh you know mccall uh, you know, Mc- hardman you know is a guy for me i'm like mm-hmm. if you look at uh i know he didn't get a lot of a lot of a lot of volume uh didn't get a lot of targets but i just think back i'm like he, you know he averages like 21 yards nearly 21 yards like per reception and, and that just that is just really attractive when you think he's catching passes from patrick mahomes but i'm like you know he may top out at what 80, 80 targets, 85 targets, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for this year. So he's going to have some big games, but it's just going to be difficult to sustain a third pass catcher. So, you know, I agree. I agree with Chris. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I I think that's fair. Uh, I think, I think we just, we sort of get caught up, right. We see Mahomes and we see the big numbers and we see the passing volume. And we just think that like, man, there's gotta be, but you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes the answer is none of the above. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. um, you guys mentioned Clyde Edward Hilaire and the moment he got drafted by the chiefs, I think we all had our collective fantasy party about what it could possibly be. And I mean, he literally is like, he's like the hottest toy at Christmas, right? Like everybody Mm -hmm. is trying to rush to get him. Um, Which makes me ask the question, Moody, uh, are we disrespecting Damian Williams? I mean, this guy was, he very well could have been the super bowl MVP. He played very well in the postseason, played that well down the stretch. uh, And now he's sort of getting tossed aside. Are we, are we just disrespecting him right now?
3: It's just it's just the nature of the beast. You know, I always think about the running back position. I know, you know, we have a lot of a lot of witty uh people we know on Twitter, you know, that talk about running backs all the time. But I just always think about like uh, the Metallica song from uh you know their classic Master of Puppets, Disposable Heroes. That's essentially what running backs <laughs> are. So, <laughs> I, so I don't I'm, think he's getting disrespected. I'm like, he's entered the entering the final year of his contract, but like, the Chiefs have to plan for the future. I'm yeah. like, you know, Williams will still be involved. I'm like, you know, the guy average. You know, 18.6 touches, 110 total yards per game, like over his last seven games, including the postseason. You know, we know he went gangbusters uh, in the Super Bowl. I'm like, but when you when you have your franchise quarterback who just won your franchise, a Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. it just says, Clyde, go get him and then the front office goes to get the guy, I'm like, that speaks volumes. And so Andy Reid, I'm like, he hasn't used a first-round pick on a running back since selecting Shady McCoy back in 2009. I think that turned out okay. So it's just it's just kind of a sign of the times, and Damian Williams just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Plus, if he did stay healthy and was more consistent in that regard, then that may have gone down differently, but who knows? But it just is what it is right now.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna start a GoFundMe for veteran running
3: backs. All right. Um, yeah, def- <laughs> definitely not a definitely not a position to uh, a position a position to play. So uh I was obviously way way too big to play uh you know to play running back. You know, right. back when I was playing ball, I was about six four, about three fifteen. So Ooh. definitely not the running back type. But uh yeah, I'm like if you know if my son's a basketball, uh, basketball kid, but I'm like if he was playing football, it's just like I probably wouldn't have him play running back. Make you know, him a long Make him a yeah. there you that's go option yeah. yeah that's an option right there yeah there
2: is there's,
1: there's some job security in that man. like yeah. I have to do that very true <laughs> um, over to Las Vegas and I had to make sure I said Las Vegas and like didn't just go with Oakland um, out of a reflex but yeah uh, over Las Vegas Chris what is what is potentially the ceiling for for Josh Jacobs this year?
2: I mean, I would say whatever we think about for for Nick Chubb, I think that's about his like his ceiling. And the reason I say the reason I use Nick Chubb as a uh, as a placeholder is just based off of what he has in terms of competition in the backfield, what he has in terms of competition as uh, as a receiver and just the way that the whole offense is structured. I mean, Oakland, I mean, for as excited as we are uh, regarding that offense with the addition of Henry Ruggs, Bowden, Brian Edwards. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement around the passing offense. But still, I mean, this was a a more or less like underwhelming like passing offense. I mean, at the at the hands of Derek Carr. I mean, they were uh, below below the league average in terms of neutral passing rate, uh, also below league average in terms of deep ball rate. I mean, so there's, in terms of like passing volume, and that's really what we look for in terms of the running backs that are going in those first couple of rounds, I'm just not seeing it as in terms of, what you would want out of uh like what you would want even from like a floor perspective but at the high end let's assume that they get pulled into some of those game scripts I mean they are uh they are they do have to play against Kansas City twice uh la a couple of times and uh, actually I believe within their first like first few games I think they play against like San Francisco and like a few other games so it's it's possible that I mean Jacobs winds up being that guy that they turn to a bit more often, just given the nature of the game environment itself. And so at best, I can see him kind of pushing into that RB1 conversation. But if they just continue to ho-hum like up and down the field like they have, like with Derek Carr, it's hard for me to see him really pushing into what we would want for Joe Mixon, what we would want for Mm -hmm. Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, and most of those other guys. I mean, he'll probably be, I guess, RB12, at best Mm -hmm. is kind of where i see him falling but it's hard for me to push him up really into the i guess certain uh certainty for rb1 ranks
1: i mean this is kind of a rhetorical question but why
2: don't they throw him the football i you
1: know i mean i just i don't The
2: the guy trained he trained with julio jones (laughs) uh, in terms of being a route runner like before the combine i mean coming out with how like what more do you need yeah i mean if, if julio says that you got it I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other sort of endorsement you need. I'll take his word for it, right? Like I, I will just, too. I don't.
1: I just it, it boggles the mind. I don't understand <laughs> it. Um, all right, so then, eh, Moody, what is the ceiling for Henry Ruggs in this offense?
3: Yeah, I have Ruggs uh, projected, you know, for around ninety-five targets and eight hundred receiving yards uh, with six touchdowns. Uh, I think a ceiling is more of like a wide receiver three. Like mm-hmm. I even have like Darren Waller still leading the team and, and targets. Uh, you got to look at history too. I'm like, you know, since 2000, I'm like, there's only been three 21 year old receivers, you know, who have had like notable seasons. You know, you think back, you know, Keenan Allen in 2013, uh, Mike Evans in 2014 and the Mari Cooper in 2015. I'm like, to, to kind of reach those heights that those receivers did. I'm um, like, they average out like 119 targets, like amongst right. like all three of them. I just don't see rugs, you know, getting the, uh, you know, getting the volume, but i um, I know where Chris, we're Chris, we're kind of breaking down like Jacobs, where I know he mentioned about, uh, about Derek Carr. I think one thing that a lot of people are forgetting about, like with the, with the Raiders going into last season I know we've had a lot of news flow with this individual since then, but remember Antonio Brown was supposed to be their number <laughs> one receiver. <laughs> so
1: I like think a he did. Guy, man. Man. Yeah, yeah.
3: Shoot. Tell me about it. So you know, you got Rugs coming in to, to to fill that role, and I uh, I think he can end up being the um, you know the Raiders version of um, Ty- Tyreek Hill. You know, that's kind of how how I see him. I just don't think the volume's going to to be there for him to kind of ascend to the heights of like a an Allen Evans or or Cooper, is what I'm trying to say. Right.
1: Yeah. All right. I mean, so okay, so then that, that put out there then. I just keep keep this train rolling then, Chris. What is the ceiling for Darren Waller this year? Can he can he do or duplicate what he did last year?
2: uh i I think so and i think that where he's priced right now in terms of being that tight end five like tight end six i think is fair now i know there was a lot of uh, consternation like within the fantasy community like once hunter renfro became a larger part of the offense he was the one that was taking a lot of those targets away from darren waller uh making at least at least from like qualitatively or just getting the feel like around around the twitterverse like around those last like uh, like weeks 13 through 17 or towards the back end of the season it was i mean where are those touchdowns that we want from darren waller if it's not hunter uh, if it's not hunter renfro it's foster moreau uh the, the, the ones that are taking those targets or those touchdowns uh, but in the first like first six weeks of the season, Darren Waller had a 26% target share within that offense. I mean, those are like wide receiver one like type uh, type target shares. But even once Hunter Renfro came back, I mean, through weeks 13 through 17, he dropped down to 22%. So instead of Odell Beckham, you're getting dj Moore level like target shares i mean that's still like fairly i mean that's really impressive like for right. for a tight end so do i think that's still a part of how they want to operate in 2020 absolutely i mean they it's not like they brought in another tight end in order to replace darren waller and even with the fact that they added these other pass catchers there's only so many people that you can have on the field at one time so even if they want to have like a number of uh, like three wide receiver sets okay fine uh, do it like uh, like had just pointed out I mean Henry Ruggs can only take up so much we only expect so much out of Tyrell Williams Hunter Renfer will still get his and Josh Jacobs I mean that he can only catch like so many passes as what little as we expect and the same thing for Lynn Bowden Jalen Richard I mean there's there's only so much that can go around on the field at any one time I still think that Darren Waller week in and week out can give you at least a stable floor with that upside. I think that he should have some of that TD, like positive regression that can wind up actually keeping him at that tight end five area, like with, I guess, some room to actually move into, you know, tight end four, like depending on how the season goes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's my fear is that, you know, I I want, I think I feel like they need the touchdown numbers to come up just because I'm not sure that the catch numbers, the target numbers are going to be the same this year. Um, all right, round out the division by coming coming here, uh, just down the street, pretty much from where I am. Uh the LA Chargers, who uh I guess they made the announcement that the new SoFi stadium is going to have limited or no fans. So you can insert the joke about the Chargers not having any fans anyway. <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> it's, it's right there. It's so easy. I, I know I felt like I had to just get that one out of the way. Right? You know, if it were a fish, I would have thrown it back. Anyway, um uh I mean Moody White. Why is it Tyrod Taylor getting more love? Like we, I feel like we've seen the splits and like you know the the comparisons, the side by sides to him and Josh Allen, and the numbers uh, were generally pretty similar between the two of them. Uh, but Tyrod's not—I mean, he's not getting drafted in a lot of places. Uh, is it—is it just fear of Justin Herbert? Why—why why Tyrod's not getting more love right now?
3: Yeah, I think it's a couple of different reasons. For one, uh, you know, a lot of—I'd uh, say—a lot of casual kind of fantasy players are always kind of looking back through the rearview mirror instead of looking ahead. And so they think back, man, you know, the last time that Tyrod, you know, got, you know, meaningful snaps and was the bill starter. I'm like, Oh, that dude only averaged 201 passing yards per game. You know, you look back from 2015 (laughs) to 2017, they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. But you have to think about too, like the context is important. What were the bills asking uh, Tyrod to do then? I'm like, they were feeding, you know, the Sean McCoy, you know, he averaged a high number, you know, of touches per game. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of asking Tyrod to kind of control the offense. Then you take into account like his, uh, you know, his rushing ability too. And so it may be a little bit like you mentioned, Marcus, about uh fear of Justin Herbert, you know, coming in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sooner rather than later. But you know, I think Tyrod's like a, a really good value, especially if you're in two quarterback leagues or um, or Superflex. you know, as a QB three, you know, who's relatively mm-hmm. cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's a guy I have no problem uh, picking up, you know, if he's available in there.
1: Um, Chris, how worried are you about Keenan Allen? And I guess by extension, a lot of the other pass catchers, whether it's Hunter Henry or whom, you know, Mike Williams, whoever else, but specifically Keenan Allen. I mean, are you concerned about him this year?
2: No, not really. I mean, I can understand that, especially with the wide receiver position being so deep and especially at his given ADP, there are some other, uh, there's some other like players in his range that might have some more upside, but Keenan Allen by himself, I mean, 24, 25% target share the past few seasons. I mean, nothing about his situation has really changed, at least in terms of his competition for targets. I mean, we can assume that Hunter Henry now will be around for a few more games like this season, uh, but other than that, I'm really not all too concerned about like Keenan Allen like by himself. Now how he connects with Tyrod Taylor and how they need to like root, I guess bring along their rapport a little bit more over this off season. That I can see as legitimate uh, I guess concern otherwise i mean i think that given his like opportunity within that offense even if their market share or even if their total team volume starts to drop because they did have i believe it was either the second or third highest like neutral passing rate like in 2019 even if that drops and let's say with Tyrod Taylor because he is a a hybrid quarterback And he starts to rush a little bit more, taking away from the total team's value. I I think that still that Keenan should still have 20 plus percent target share within that offense, making him a value, especially where he lies, like in terms of ADP. I mean, I get that he's what, 27, 28. I mean, getting up there in terms getting up there in terms of age. But still, I mean, the routes that he runs, I mean, he's still able to create separation. He still has one of the best hands in the league. Uh, So I would still be able to if I can get him at value, I'll take him.
1: All right, uh, we're gonna do some some either ors a little bit later. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose one to you guys, to both of you guys, right now. Uh, who you got uh, behind Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, or Joshua Kelly? Which one would you guys rather have?
3: Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll tackle it first, uh, Chris. You know, no pun intended. You know, it's a football <laughs> podcast. Uh, I, I would say uh, I'm I'm on team Kelly. I'm like. You look back at his collegiate, you know, body of work. I'm like, you know, he's only the eighth running back in a UCLA history to have consecutive seasons with a thousand more rushing yards. What I like about him on film, you know, he's very physical, you know, downhill runner who's great in between the tackles uh, who I could see. Stealing, you know, he can end up stealing like goal line work from uh, Austin Eckler. Now one thing about Eckler, uh, I know everyone, you know, loved the production last year. You know, he's great, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I would say, and, and he is, you know, I would say one thing, though, that uh, was interesting is that if you look at like yards created per game, I'm like among running backs, he ranked, you know, 34th. And like his contract, which is great. Hey, I'm, I'm always happy to see uh, a running back get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. But his contract doesn't suggest like bell cow usage. It suggests more of a committee to me. And so that was even more confirmed with, uh, you know, what their selection of, uh, you know, Kelly, you know, in this year's draft. So I know Kelly's a, a running back. I'm aggressively targeting in fantasy drafts, like as an upside, like RB4. If Eckler mm-hmm. did miss extended time, I'm like, you're, you're looking at someone that has RB1 upside that you got on the cheap. So, hey, team Kelly.
2: You feeling the same way, Chris? Uh, Yeah, I would echo a lot of what Eric just said. And just the way that L.A. like ran their offense, like within the first few weeks, especially with uh, Melvin Gordon, like still doing his holdout. Uh, Justin Jackson he got like a 40% opportunity share just within the red zone so like the way that the Chargers still wanted to operate was not with just giving Austin Eckler like all the touches I mean but those money touches the ones that especially for fantasy purposes the ones that we want I mean they were still fine trying to distribute some of those to the other backs and Justin Jackson I mean for I mean to his credit he was able to perform well but I mean that's what the second season in a row that he's wound up with some injury concerns so I can I can definitely see him like being the the one that they turn to i guess at the beginning of the season but with the uh, with uh kelly's like collegiate body of work i can see him taking over towards the towards the middle and end of the season and he's another guy that i i'm also trying to target towards the end of drafts as well just for that upside
1: all right uh all right cool so that takes us through our big questions around the division now to we'll do some some what i'm calling the afc west superlatives generally some of the, the best or potentially worst of the divisions uh we'll start with When it comes to quarterback, I mean, I don't think there's going to be any argument that Patrick Mahomes is the top quarterback in the AFC West, arguably the top quarterback in all of fantasy. Uh, So, Chris, starting with you and and, and Eric, you can follow up. Who do you think will be the number two scoring fantasy quarterback coming out of this division?
2: Uh, To be honest, I could honestly see Tyrod coming out as the number two. I do have some reservations about like what Derek Carr is going to wind up doing, even with the addition of those pass catchers. And I mean, that's that's neither here nor there but I think given like Tyrod I mean he has like he has a wonderful deep ball his deep ball completion rate has actually been fairly impressive over the past couple of seasons when they actually have turned him loose and also we just talked about the fact that he does have access to that hashtag Konami code that will wind up <laughs> winning you some of your weeks so I, I still think that's a part of his game and what they can utilize so that they can continue to at least you know keep him like keep him in those neutral or positive game scripts where he's able to actually like keep the game in front of him versus having them trail or whatever and they definitely have the defense that will that will be conducive to that i mean assuming that please i'm hoping they all stay healthy but they still they definitely have the the personnel to actually uh, i guess to allow him to operate the way that he's operated best when he was with the bills that's the way that they operated and he was able to actually put up a lot of great numbers like while he was there so i i think that in a perfect world i think tyrod would wind up being the the second one to come out of that division
1: all right you can double down on that moody or you got somebody else
3: Yeah, I do have someone else. Uh, I would go with uh, Derek Carr. I'm like, you know, he finished last season ranked seventh uh, with the true passer rating of uh, 106. I'm like, that's a quarterback rating that essentially factors out like unpressured throwaways and drop passes. And as I mentioned earlier, I was like, you know, he was supposed to go into last season with Antonio Brown, like as his number Mm -hmm. one guy. And so I think the biggest area, and and Chris alluded to this earlier uh, on a previous question, was that the biggest area where Rugs can assist is with uh, downfield passing. I know Carr didn't look great if you look at all the advanced metrics around uh, downfield passing so you know you look at him and we talked about waller you know he's got tyrell williams too that's better suited as like a number two and not a number one uh, so he's got waller at tight end you know he's got williams and he's got rugs is his uh what should we call him a tyreek hill light or sure. <laughs> does that sound witty is that good yeah, Sure. so i just think with car i'm like he's you know criminally underrated uh in drafts so i'm like he's he's dirt cheap but mm-hmm. uh I, I think it's in the realm of possibilities that Again, once the dust settles in 2020, that we look at like Derek Carr, like as like a low end QB one, just given his body of work.
1: All right. Um, so stay with you, Moody. Then who is your top scoring running back out of the AFC West? Is it as simple as Austin Eckler? Is there, you know, maybe somebody else?
3: Yeah, I, I would end up going with uh, going with Austin Eckler. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, he'll be provided a high number of touches, you know, in 2020, uh, especially with having Tyrod. Uh, as a starter and you know the guy was just very effective last season (laughs) I'm like if you look at like fantasy points per opportunity I'm like he averaged like 1.29 I'm like that was really the highest among running backs seeing like significant volume and so uh, I think he'll pick up where he left off last season and he will finish as the top scoring running back in the uh, AFC West all right uh you got the same Chris or, or is there somebody else maybe
2: I mean, I'm I'm praying that it's Damien Williams. I mean, just, just let, <laughs> let, let's let it happen, man. Just, just please let it happen. But otherwise, I would have to echo what Eric was saying that I mean, given given the, his opportunity to share within that offense. I mean, I know we were just talking about the fact that they're most likely going to wind up revolving everything around a committee base. But still, I do think that given where or how the Chargers want to operate, Eckler has the best path to doing that.
1: All right. Uh, Biggest AFC West sleeper or if you got more than one uh, sleepers. Uh, Chris, you can start. Uh,
2: I don't know if I mean sleeper. I I don't know. I know it's it's a relative
1: term. I know. I have my I know.
2: (laughs) But I would say like the the one the one guy that I do think a lot of folks are, I guess, overlooking is Mike Williams. Like with with the Mm -hmm. Chargers. I know that with the loss of Philip Rivers, I mean, the, the the I guess the amount of Yolo balls like probably won't be as as many. And I can mm-hmm. completely understand that. But again, I go back to th- this idea that, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, like by himself, like he is not a bad deep ball, deep ball passer, as I mentioned earlier. So I still think that uh, given the, g- given his opportunity share within that offense, I mean, Keenan Allen, like his, like the way that he, the routes that he runs, his A dot does not overlap with what Mike Williams does or can do within that offense. Mm-hmm. So I can still think that him ascending uh, and actually being able a bit more healthier also this season will be more conducive to him being a, one of those guys that we look back on the 2020 season and just like oh okay I I get it but I just didn't see it coming got it uh Eric who you got
3: yeah I'll uh, I'll, I'll go back to uh Nicole Hardman uh mm-hmm. you know just with his limited opportunities last year I'm like well if, you know a guy that's averaging you know 21 yards per reception it's, it's tough for me to kind of turn away from that uh you know he's just an inexpensive piece you know one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL and I'm like you know, just kind of seeing him out there, you know, in, in drafts, I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll go ahead and scoop him up. You know, as my wide receiver four, or wide receiver five, uh, you know, God forbid, if something does happen like to Tyreek Hill where he does miss significant time. I'm like, you've got to plug and play like wide receiver one again that you got on, on the cheap. So mm-hmm. but I think he'll be more productive than um, than people think, even giving the uh, the low target volume. It's uh, I I guess if you look back uh, again, kind of always look from that 2000 to, you know, 2020 timeframe, it's rare for receivers to kind of have those monster seasons with, you know, with uh, having limited target share is that I would Mm -hmm. say, but Mm -hmm. Even if Hardman gets 80 to 90, I think he could surprise people. And it's mainly because he's tethered to, uh, you know, my homes. Now, quick side note, Marcus. Now, yeah. um, what's funny is that whenever I, I found myself using like the like the word like tethered ever since I saw Jordan Peele's us. It's oh, <laughs> so yeah. like ingrained like in, yeah. my, uh, in, my, yeah. it's in my vocabulary mm-hmm. now. So I'm just yeah. just saying. But McKeel Hardman for me. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow, so should we stop calling them like, you know, stacks and handcuffs or should we just call, or them call them tethered?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Man, that's wild. Um, all right, so then Moody, then who do you have as maybe one of your most overdrafted guys coming out of the AFC West?
3: Yeah, I just had a had a had a visit from uh, my my son Noah, uh, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of popped in, but uh let me uh I'll go ahead and answer that question. Yeah. All right, so uh, most overdrafted uh player Right. Yeah. Sorry about that, gentlemen. No, worries. No worries. Uh, so We're all at say, home.
1: we all understand.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'd say uh, for for me, it's uh, I would say it's Josh Jacobs. Uh, okay. I know Chris hit on a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of points uh, earlier, you know, about Jacobs. Uh, and it's kind of disappointing because I'm like, he's ridiculously talented. You know, mm-hmm. he's athletically gifted. I am like he does deserve more passing work, but when they, you know, drafted uh, Bowden, you know, and then they re sign like Jalen Rashard, there's just not going to be as many targets going around. Like, it, it's crazy that a guy like that got a little bit under 30 targets like last year, you know, given what he can do in space and as a receiver. But I, I just think John Gruden, you know, as the head coach, I'm like, it's unlikely to... You know, become a reality where he's going to get enough volume to kind of finish like as a, as a top five guy. So just unfortunately, like he's being overdrafted, you look at his ADP, I just don't think he's going to be able to give everyone that return like on investment that people are expecting.
2: Right. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, Chris, who, who are you looking at? Uh, at least for me, it's probably Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. looking at the the back end of the second round, I mean, where you see him typically being drafted in a lot of leagues, it's hard for me to pass up a lot of the guys that uh, that are typically going around him. I mean, we're talking uh, top end wide receivers uh, we're, I mean, we're looking at, I mean, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, I mean, even, I mean, if you, like we were talking about earlier, if you want to swing for those fences and get like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes around that area. I mean, there are a lot of those guys where one, we've already seen it done. I mean, again, that's, that's looking at things in the rearview mirror mirror, not really projecting into 2020, but at least, for most of them, we have at least some sense of certainty regarding their 2020 outlook, either when it comes to volume, targets, or whatever. With Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I guess I'm still too much, I'm stuck too much on what Damian Williams can do it when he's healthy mm-hmm. and where he's at. And I guess his, I guess, um, his utility for the team that he's on right now. And for for me to come in and s- summarily say that. I mean, C.E.H. is going to wind up with a significant touch share, which you really need in order to pay off like a second-round ADP. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to see that happening, even even with him being tethered. Like now I'm stuck saying this, <laughs> even with him being uh, tethered to Patrick Mahomes. It's hard for me for him uh, for me to see him paying off that draft cost. I mean, with the other guys that are already from the Kansas City Chiefs are already being drafted basically around him. I mean, Travis Kelsey is picked uh, what a round ahead of him. Tyreek Hill is probably like ten or so picks ahead of him as well. I mean. We're expecting all three of those guys, not to even mention Mikko Harden, uh, Sammy Watkins, and those other guys. We're not, I mean, not even mentioning those guys. We're expecting all of them to wind up paying off their draft cost. And if I had to pick one of those guys out of those three within the first 24 picks to not meet their draft ADP, it, to me, it's Clyde Edwards-Holaire. All
1: right. Um, cool. So let's round us out with some either ors. These are all just quick hitters. I'll give you, you know, two guys or two two things. You pick one. You could use whatever criteria you like. So just pick one and just a couple quick words. You don't have to go in depth. Uh, I was gonna go Derek Carr or Tyrod Taylor here, but I feel like you guys have sort of answered that over the course of our conversation. So I'm I'm gonna call an audible and switch it up. Um, so here we go. Uh, and you guys both get in. Moody, you start this one. Um, Damian Williams or Philip Lindsay.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, go with Williams. Just with with the offense, you know, I, I just want an inexpensive piece of that offense if I don't get Kelsey or Hill, so right. Williams.
1: Uh, same, uh, Chris, or different? Yep, should have been
2: the Super Bowl MVP. I'll just yep. go ahead and throw that out there.
3: <laughs> all right, <laughs> agreed. Cool. agreed.
1: Uh, all right, Chris, you start this one. Uh, Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy? Uh,
2: I would say Henry Ruggs. Uh, I do have a little bit more optimism around Derek Carr than I do Drew Locke, so I will I will lean Henry Ruggs. All
1: right, uh, Eric.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, I would not end up going with uh, going with Rugs. You know, I'm a uh, you know born and raised in uh, in Alabama. You know, Roll Tide. <laughs> I-, I got a soft I've got a soft spot in my heart for Alabama receivers. So Rugs, or as we call him, Discount Tyree Hill. There,
1: there we go. Know. There you go. Um, all right, uh, Eric, grape or strawberry?
3: You know, give me strawberry. Or anything it could be soda. It could be cake. You could be just the fruit itself, and and I have this conversation with my, uh, you know, with my son Noah all the time because he loves grapes and he loves strawberries. And I was like, mm-hmm. "Son, you know, grapes are not as superior as strawberries. <laughs> strawberries are superior <laughs> over grapes." So, you know, just saying, mm-hmm. strawberries. Uh,
1: Chris, grape or strawberry?
2: I mean, I've I've actually, I guess just to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the show, I've actually brewed with strawberries. So I guess mm. I will have to also like lean, I've actually uh put strawberries like in the beer or like extracted some of the juice and done it that way. And I have I must admit, like having a strawberry flavored like beer is actually pretty daggone good. So yeah, strawberries. Right. Yeah, I can go. I can buy that. I just it, it always bothers me this this whole story about Tom Brady saying he's never eaten a
1: strawberry. And like the <laughs> dude is forty 40- Three years old 42 43 years old and i say this to somebody like i know where he grew up in the bay area the town he grew up in like literally an hour south of where he grew up is the the, the city of watsonville that has a world famous strawberry festival and i'm like you're telling me you grew up an hour from a town that has a strawberry festival and you've never had a strawberry like yeah what kind of sociopath are you? Like, I just don't understand. Uh, To be Um, honest, that's
2: probably like the least weird thing about him.
1: You know, you're probably right. (laughs) You are probably Um. right. Uh, (laughs) All right. Last one here, uh, Chris, if you could choose between the power of flight or the power of invisibility, where are you going?
2: flight easy i mean i don't i mean just the sheer convenience factor of the fact that i don't even have to i don't even have to get in my car i mean you just, just tell me i can just go outside and then i'm just oh i, I want to go down and see the in-laws down in georgia be there in a few minutes Zoom, I'm gone. <laughs> or i need to go to the store i need to go over to the mall and pick something up be right back i mean you know how much like see this is this is how you know i'm like i'm peak dad like right now because all the gas money savings that i can now get <laughs> Like by having to be able to fly instead of drive my car everywhere, get out of here. I'll take that all day.
3: All right. Uh, Moody, flight or invisibility? You know, I probably put too much thought into this question. You know, I was thinking, <laughs> I was like, if I say like invisibility, are they going to think of so what do you want to do? Just spy on people, Moody? Like, yeah. hey, what's up mm-hmm. with that? But uh, I do agree with Chris, but uh, like with flight, you know, would be – You know, would be great, you know, just to be able to, you know, hey, fly back to Alabama or New Orleans, you know, where I lived or, you know, just anywhere in the, you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area. So it would be good. But then again, you know, since we're all, you know, fantasy football analysts here, you know, I got to thinking, right? You know, I got to thinking, I was like, you know what? So I'll be able to fly like, what, a thousand miles per hour. What's going to happen? I don't have any other superpowers. I'm not Superman. What if I get hit by something <laughs> whenever I'm flying out? You know, oh, so, but man. anyway, you know, I'm, I'm taking it to another level, but to answer your question, Marcus, I, I'm just going to go with flight. So All
1: right. See, it's funny because I've always said invisibility, but not because I want to like sneak around and do things. It's just more that like, you know, those times when you just don't want to be bothered, you can just yeah. be invisible. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> when, like people are looking to ask you to do things that you don't want to do. You're just like invisible and they're like hey you must not be here and then like they go ask somebody else to do it
0: there you Um, go yeah so so that was
1: it (laughs) um hey fellas i appreciate you guys coming on i've enjoyed the conversation uh it's been a whole lot of fun uh for people who don't know know, what you're doing or where you are uh chris start where, where can people find your work right now
2: um okay where can they find my work all right so Uh, I like to tell people that I'm collecting websites like Infinity Stones. (laughs) I I happen to have quite a few, but you can primarily find my work over at 444. uh, But I'm also contributing over at Dynasty League Football, uh, Football Guys, uh number fire like once the season gets rolling uh and of course i've got my podcast uh, with my buddy adam will like doing the dynasty owners manual podcast so you can find me literally at any one of those websites plus if you want to come yell at me for for uh for any of the takes that i've put on here on this podcast uh, you can find me at chris allen ffwx cool uh
3: moody where can folks find you yeah, I would say the, the main websites where you can find me would be, uh, of course, over at 4for4. Uh, 4 4, you know, generated a, a ton of content there mm-hmm. uh, this offseason and uh, more to come, you know, for uh, the rest of July and August. And, uh, of course, at the uh, Athletic Fantasy, you know, I've got some uh, some pieces that will end up getting uh, published within the next uh, week or so. And uh, also over at uh, Fantasy Data. And so, you know, if you want to chat, you know, I'm always open uh, to a Twitter conversation. You can find me uh, at Eric in moody the n stands for nicholas my middle name unfortunately at eric moody's already taken but again that's a whole nother conversation so you could you could find my work uh there but hey i'm always open to chat about fantasy so reach out you know you won't be disappointed but uh thanks again marcus for the uh for the invite it's been a blast my friend. yeah
1: no i appreciate i definitely appreciate you guys coming on uh and then i'm gonna Give my own sort of shameless self-promotion here. Uh, Sign up. Sign ups are open for uh, the the game at NFL Fantasy. You can go to fantasy.nfl.com. Sign up. Start your league. uh, Regenerate your league uh, in case you had one there in the past. So uh, jump on board and, you know, let's get ready to play because it looks like training camp is going to happen. We're keeping our fingers crossed. So that means we're getting closer to a season, which means we're getting closer to a fantasy football season. So there you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you listening and downloading and watching our video clips as well. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, stupid is when you spend 18 hours trying to drown a fish. Take care of yourselves, wear a mask,
0: and we will see you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...